Welcome to A Rabbi and a Lawyer Walk Into a Bar, a podcast with relatively well-informed and irreverent musings on religion, news, and society. And now, for your hosts, Rabbi Asher Lopatin and John Geringer. Hey, Asher. Hey, John. How are you? How was your week? Good. It was some Jewy interesting stuff, some other outdoorsy interesting stuff on, on Shabbat. I had the honor of Hagba, which as our readers know and listeners know, you lift the Torah up and you try to lift it so everybody can see it. And some people are stronger at it than others. And some people like to show off more than the three columns. I, I think I know your views on this. Don't be such a show off. Well, I did believe that, but but we have a guy at Shul who does an amazing Hagba. And my kids joke that, like, when he, he first it's 10 columns, and then when he sits down, he basically rolls it back himself. And my kids joke that, oh, he could grab that uh, belt and he could do the whole thing himself, really, if, if he wanted to. He's, he's the only guy in the Shul who... I will let put me on his shoulders. He is such a strong guy. So you're right. But normally I would say, don't, don't show off so much. Uh, one time, by the way, you know, you, you lift the tar and everyone's supposed to see it. Women, men, everyone, you turn around. One time, a real strong guy in our shul, his, like his shoulder snapped or something. He nearly dropped the Torah because, it, oh. you know, it was whatever, it, it got out of a place or whatever, it, it dislocated or something. But in general, it's pretty safe. That's when you feel like needing to be the Secret Service agent, right? That you you jump at it, so you save, yes. save the Torah by having yourself in this way. Right, there is, there is the catcher that's called the Galila. That's the person who rolls it back up. And, but a lot of times they're the catchers and sometimes you need someone on each side because sometimes it's, it's heavier, you know, if it's in sheet, if we just started reading the Torah in the beginning of in like October after Yom Kippur and Simchat Torah, then it's way, way, way on your left side. So you want a lefty to do it. And if towards the end of the year, so on your right side, you know, righties can do it. You're, are you, John, now it's more on the right side. Yeah, it's getting more on the right. Thank God I'm a righty, but it's still, I could tell it's starting to shift. And the person who did Galila was kind of fiddling with the stuff. And, you know, you get the shaky hand thing going. You're like, I cannot drop this for the life of me. I don't want everybody to have to fast. Because, right, everyone, there's, there's sort of a combination, God forbid, if it ever happens, that folks who see it happen have to fast, right? Yeah, yeah, I think we might have been, this might have been, in it. well, please write in if we've discussed this already. But uh, yeah, you can maybe 40 days or maybe divide it up between everyone who's there. It's only if you see it, some people like, I don't want to see this. If you see, you know, who's going up to do Hogba. Now, I'm sure when, when you did it, John, everyone's like, of course, John. But, you know, sometimes if you see someone that looks a little bit, doesn't know what they do. It's not something for novices. It's not yeah. something you really want to know how to do it before you do it even if you're kind there's of a skill there's a skill set there yeah, it's all so, pivoting it's all pivoting it's not so much about strength it's a yeah right exactly about style yeah like jujitsu it's technique if you're if you're over forcing it you're doing it wrong and then sunday i went out with and if he's listening russell simmons our mutual oh. friend took me sailing on his hobie out on lake michigan nice a little bit nice. scary a little bit white knuckle but it was a blast. And he reminded me of this great story that he almost was on a show called Same Name. 
And of course, the show is about two people switching, whether it be two people named David Hasselhoff, one famous, one not, Mike Tyson, one famous, one not. And he, of course, has the same name as Russell Simmons from Def Jam Recordings. And Russell Simmons from Def Jam Recordings, who people may know, was going to come to our show and put on to fill in and do the (laughs) morning service. And a camera crew was going to come in and actually record that. It would have been absolutely epic. Unfortunately, (laughs) they canceled the show before they got to it. Oh, no. Did he get to meet Russell Simmons? I don't think so. I think it it was they were like two episodes off before they canceled the show and that was it. But well, uh, actually, so been famous. So John, while you were sailing on the other side of Lake Michigan, the the Illinois side, we were on the other side on the Michigan side of Lake Michigan in the west coast of Michigan, which is gorgeous, sandy beaches, yeah. dunes, perfect So we went to Sagatok. Mm-hmm. and Grand Haven, and we love it there. And there are not a lot of kosher restaurants. There are no kosher restaurants, but there is kosher ice cream, Kilwin's ice cream. So while you were in the boat hearing uh, Russell Simmons' story, uh, I was having a, well, I wouldn't say an argument, but a discussion with my son about what blessing to make on cookies and cream ice cream. By the way, it's amazing cookies and cream. And by the way, in, in Saga Talk, in one of the Kilwins, there are two Kilwins stores, but in one of them, they have really great, no sugar added ice cream, which is really great. I know it doesn't sound good, but it's amazing. But <laughs> cookies and cream, there's a whole discussion of whether you should say the bracha, that's the blessing that's Mizono that you would say on cookies or on any kind of pastry or anything like that, or is it mostly ice cream? Most of it's cream, and so you say a, a shahako, and you know this is only a conversation a rabbi and his son who wants to be a rabbi can have. Well, you know it's so interesting. Judaism has big picture, like being a moral, ethical person, loving God being close to God, spirituality. And then there are the building blocks that are these these things about when you thank God for something you're going to eat and praise God, do it right. Think about what you're going to eat. You're not just eating anything. You're eating cookies and cream ice cream. So so it's fascinating. But so that was going on the other side. of. Wait, where did you land? Where did you land? Well, it's still in discussion. Mostly, I thought it would be like, it's ice cream, Shahako. But my Judah had heard a different class and he really tried to prove that it's Mizono. It's more like that the cake is, even though maybe the majority of the substance is milk and cream and sugar, but the cake might be the main thing. But then I looked up on Google and, and there are rabbis Did that do that? chat GBT. Yeah, I sure that. So it's an ongoing discussion, and he's reading. If you're interested, Rabbi Asher Weiss has a chuva about it, and lots of interesting discussions about it. So, and this is why people who study Talmud do so well in law school. <laughs> the, exactly right. That's like you know, in, interesting. You know, discussion of legal aspects of Trump being indicted, those kind of things. You know, we get you know. Do you think there's some constitutional questions that it could go either way? 
well, you know, the, there's four of them in, in this latest one, and and some are more well-worn than others, and some are pretty novel. And so I think there'll be a lot to unpack over the next few months on, especially the ones that are more novel. And then you intersect with the First Amendment, the president's right, and all of our rights to say, you know, many of the things that may be objectionable out there. Then you talk into some of these laws that have to be very specific to apply to the president. And, and I'm sure his defense lawyers have thought about that. I don't want to give them any advice. <laughs> but, you know, be, between the, I, I forgot, for counting up, depending on you counted four or six prosecutions that are against him, right. boy, I, I can't imagine a scenario where he comes back from that. And uh, But we'll get into that some other episode, I suppose. But I, I will tell you that, fortunately or unfortunately, my Jen's family used to have a kosher resort in that area called Glassman's that unfortunately they sold. But in the heyday, this was like Mrs. Maisel, you know, when they all went to camp. Yeah, that must have been South Haven. Must have been yes. South Haven. Yeah. yeah, there was something comparable. And I'm so sad to this day that they sold it because oh. I think I would have liked nothing better than to run a kosher resort in that area. Yeah, we could meet up, John. That would be amazing. It would have been amazing. Yeah. The it, dream is still there, and maybe you and I can make it happen. Well, it's sort of like, yeah, the, actually, the Catskills in New York are making a comeback, I've heard. Um, I'm not sure who's going there, but they are making a comeback. That we, area is absolutely my happy place. Oh, it's which it, Catskills or that area of Michigan? Yeah. That, that area of Michigan. Oh, it's gorgeous. The West. West Coast. That's the West Coast, folks. You know, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm from California, but it's gorgeous and it's fun. It's relaxing and it's close. So you don't have to fly there. So, uh, but, but let's talk about Tubaov, no? Yes, absolutely. But before we get to something happy, just a little bit of sad news in the Jewish community. We've lost, I don't know if I can say one of our finest, uh, but certainly one of our most well-known Paul Rubens, yeah. a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman of Blessed Memory, passed away, which is interesting in some ways. But what's really interesting is his dad. All the stories that came out about his dad, Milton Rubenfeld, who flew for the RAF and the U.S. Army. Yeah. yeah. He was one of five founding pilots of the Israeli Air Force. Like literally in the War of Independence, they had five people flying these terrible Czechoslovakian planes. And I had heard this story once before, and I'd never made the connection. So there are stories about him scaring Egyptians who are close to Tel Aviv because I thought there were more planes coming. But one of the stories is that he was shot down, went down in the Mediterranean Sea, and there was a mashav, you know, which is like a kibbutz near the border, near the, uh, the Mediterranean Sea there. They thought he was one of the Egyptians, because they didn't even know that Israel had an air force and they had him at gunpoint and they thought he thought that they were going to kill him, but he didn't speak Hebrew. So he's throwing out every word he knows, Shabbos, gefilte fish, just to (laughs) prove to them he was Jewish. And eventually they rescued him and the rest is history. So, you know, you saw uh, the movie uh, Cast the Giant Shadow. It's Uh, been a while, but yes. And that one, Nebuch, it ends where he doesn't know the, the code. I don't want to give it away, spoiler alert, but it's like yeah. a, 
spoiler work from 70 years ago, but, uh, <laughs> but this could be like the, you know, part two, cast the giant shadow part two, where he does know the secret code, gefilte fish. <laughs> That's so great. What a great story. Yeah. But who, who would have thunk that from him, the next generation was Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. What a great guy. And what a sort of a complicated life, I think. But you know, people, I do want to say that people said he was a very kind person. And, you know, kudos to Hollywood that, well, you know, I guess. Uh, Careful. Yeah, <laughs> Roman Polanski. I mean, I'm saying Hollywood embraced him. People didn't give up on him. But I guess Hollywood sometimes, I don't know. It's a comp- very, very complicated uh, place. And life is very complicated. And we're not going to resolve things on this podcast. But I did love Pee Wee Herman's Great Adventure. That was a great, great movie. Worth worth seeing. Burton, one of the his first directorial, you know, productions. Yeah, blessed memory. You know, the son, the father, and, <laughs> and the Holy Land. <laughs> well, let's do Tubaav. We we spend so much time talking about Tishabav. Let's talk about something happier. Tubaav. What is it? Oh my gosh! It is the. It's like the Jewish either Valentine's Day or Sadie Hawkins Day, because the way it was, it's a celebration of love and a celebration of togetherness. The way it was practiced is that the women would run in the fields and, uh, you know, if you want to describe it better, John, and, and they would all dress in the same kind of dresses, but it was like, kind of like the opposite, like the men would grab the women. Well, it wasn't so politically correct, uh, but everyone was happy and matches were made. And it was, there are a whole bunch of different reasons given, but some of them that, that I love were because this was a time when the Benjaminites were allowed to marry women. They were, there was a whole incident that Benjamin the tribe of Benjamin was nearly going to be obliterated, but they allowed the Benjaminites to repopulate by marrying wonderful women from the rest of the tribes. This is when, if someone was a, a woman inherited some land, initially they would require her to only marry someone from her own tribe, but this opened things up. So basically, really, there are a whole bunch of other reasons for it, but to some extent, I think one of the ideas behind it is to open up who your friends are, who you're marrying, not necessarily to think in very narrow terms. It's got to be something from my tribe. It's got to be this, that really opening up, you know, our imaginations to how we can have friendships of people that think differently. And of course, marriage of people that might be very different. Yeah, and of course, Tuba'av is named for the Tet, the Hebrew letters each correspond to a letter, Tet being nine, Vav being six, so nine plus six is, is Tuba'av, T-U-Ba'av, adding those two letters. What was interesting to me is some of the other non-romantic aspects of how the holidays started were after the, the sin of the spies that we had mentioned on a previous podcast and and they had worried that they were going to be dying in graves. And then they got up and realized people stopped dying and they were all happy about that. Or the, the burial of the victims of the Betar massacre and yeah. they were allowed to, to bury people. So there were some interesting things that really had nothing to do with romance and yet sort of elation, I suppose, 
relative elation, you know, at being able to bury your dead or not dying at a certain event. So it's it a weird no. confluence of of things that supposedly happen on that day. But, you know, I wonder if we could say that it's also about appreciating the little, the smallest wonder things in life. Like it's true. Just, you know, after the, that was the, the Bar Kokhba rebellion in 130 CE, and the Romans really, the, the last fortress was, was Betar, as you mentioned, and they really, the streets were, the, the horses were swimming in blood, according to our tradition. They just murdered so many people and then wouldn't let them get buried. And, but, you know, the fact that, that Judaism is a religion that is grateful for, thank God for the miracle, we're allowed to bury the dead or that the dead did not smell, you know, and that actually is the fourth blessing of when we thank God for having bread, say Birkat Hamazon, the grace after meals, the fourth blessing is Hatov HaMetiv, that God does good things. And you think about it like that, we're thanking God after this murder and losing independence and going to the exile. And we're thanking God for that little tiny thing, for, for being able to bury our dead. Or like you said, in the wilderness, in the 40 years, like be, we're not dying anymore, you know, but I think that it is a, it's such an important concept in Judaism of being grateful for every little thing that there's so much in this life we could be bitter about and say, I didn't get this opportunity, I didn't get that opportunity. This guy's getting all the publicity and not me. Uh, and rather the attitude should be, I'm so grateful for the little things that I have. And John, I think that that applies to married life also, that to appreciate every single little, every single little thing about the people in our lives, the people that we love that, you know, give us so much. So we have to be have that kind of gratitude and not the anger, the bitterness. Oh, you know, so they might connect a little bit. Well, that's great. Well, speaking of which, I think now's the perfect time to bring on Rachel, your wife. Wow. Yes, I'm so excited. I'm very, very excited. And what better way to celebrate Tuba'ab than to bring on Asher, your Ashad Chayil, oh Rachel Nessler, Lo Patton. Drum roll, please. Yay. What an honor to be here on this, on this podcast. Welcome. I hear you actually listen. <laughs> I try to. It's hard to keep up. Yeah. Well, yeah that's so we've, been I, we've been all around lately. This is our year plus one. So congratulations and welcome. Thank you. But our kids keep Rachel on her toes because they're <laughs> listening also. So everyone. Yeah, at least my wife listened. I can't say the same about uh, my kids, but that's a different discussion. Anyway, let's hear why we brought you on. What uh, relevance does your volunteer position have to Tuba'av? Well, I'm guessing that the that the reason is because I am a matchmaker on the website saw you at Sinai. I spend a lot of time every day trying to match up people. And that's what what better day than Tubaav to talk about that. What a cool gig. For those of you who don't know, why is the name Saw you at Sinai so relevant? So it's the thought that everybody, everybody past, future, you know, was at Sinai when the Torah was given. 
and so the thought is really, you've actually already met the person that you're going to marry. And maybe you were standing next to them at, at Sinai. So the thought is, is that you've actually already met your, you know, your intended, and now you just have to re-meet them. Mm-hmm. So, that's yeah, fun. that's beautiful. Huh? That makes it, so it makes it so much easier. <laughs> Yeah, well, you guys were definitely made in heaven. I mean, I remember when I first met the both of you separate, and then we saw your gravitational pulls get closer and closer and closer. And here you are all these years later. So congratulations on your journey. Wow, well, the the whole community saw us getting closer and closer. (laughs) First there were rumors. Yeah. And here we are. Lincoln Park to, yeah. So without me singing Fiddler on the Roof, as tempting as it is for me, tell us what a modern day, I guess we call it a shatchanit, if my Hebrew is spot on on that one, all right? Not a shatchan, a shatchanit as a female matchmaker. So I think that there are a bunch of different reasons why people would use a matchmaker. And I'll talk about one, but that's not, you know, I think some people in the more religious communities, they don't date. In fact, most of them don't meet members of the, you know, opposite sex until they are ready to get married. And so the only way really to connect with people is, you know, either through a matchmaker or parents sometimes are matchmakers and they seek out a partner who they feel is um, appropriate and relevant for their child. So that's one kind of matchmaking. I mean, similar, you know, I guess in some ways, but there's in the more religious world, everything is pretty much done through matchmakers. Now, either matchmakers kind of like me or like parents or siblings or, you know, uh, kids. So, but what I do. But that's, that's Rachel, that's for the initial date. Yes. Yes. You know, then they have to meet each other. Yes. And get yes. The, yes. Right. So yes. like it's in to Stissel, connect them. Right. Like right. The, the... right. Thank you. Well, the, the, the old the old joke in New York, right, was like the three date before you get married. But it's all three airports at JFK, Newark and LaGuardia. <laughs> that's where you have your open date so that everyone can see that yeah. you're not engaged in any hanky panky. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So really more what I do is I really just feel like I'm a connector. Like I'm trying to connect people who want to meet other people. And so I do it through the, the platform of Saw You at Sinai, which is an online platform similar to JDate, JSwipe, you know, all the other apps that are out there, except that instead of members or, you know, people looking through the profiles themselves, I look through the profiles and send people the profiles to review ones that I think would be most appropriate. So let's say, John, you know, you are looking for someone who, you know, of course we love Jen. So we know. Yeah, don't get me in trouble. Rachel. Come on. Um, I'll say Asher. I'll, I'll do there Asher. So <laughs> Asher is looking for someone, you know, 25 to 35. No, he hi. is. Okay. Well, this is an example. We'll pretend. You know, like, he wants to find someone who's modern Orthodox liberal, modern Orthodox mm-hmm. middle of the road. He wants someone who lives in the Midwest. He wants, you know, it puts in all of the, you know, the categories. And what I like about Saw You at Sinai is it's much more nuanced than some of the other sites. So let's let's take Keeping Kosher. You can keep kosher always. You can keep kosher in the house and eat dairy out, at home, to some degree, 
or not at all. You can. This you know, is you know people's personal right, choices correct, again. This correct. is right. the, the the rabbi on the show does not necessarily endorse. endorse. These right. No, so it's a much more nuanced you know uh, category. And so what they hope is that if I'm looking for someone and I I've spoken to them, I know what they're looking for, but I might be able to push some of their limits. Like if I know that someone, you know, wants someone in the Midwest, but I find someone in Kentucky or I find someone in Pittsburgh or Philadelphia and I can say, look, I, you know, he's, he seems really great. He's willing to travel to date, you know, that I can sort of make the case to someone who might ordinarily just swipe left that by having an intermediary that helps sometimes get to the initial conversation. Mm -hmm. The second thing that I do also is a lot of coaching, you know, now some different couples want different involvement. Some will text me that night and say, I spoke to them. It was a great conversation. Can you find out what they thought? Mm. And other people, you know, say, look, I got this. We'll let you know if there's anything to tell you. So, but sometimes I'm on the phone with people, you know, they'll say, look, I had a great mm. time, but I don't know that we're so religiously compatible. I just want to talk it out with someone or, you know, he lives, you know, in California, I live in Chicago, you know, how do we navigate a long distance relationship? And so I do a lot of dating coaching also. Wow. That is so fascinating. And you're so great at it from you know, being the fantastic connector that you are, and we're all old enough to know what a Rolodex is. And I always knew you had a fantastic Rolodex of people that you connected with over the years. Plus, you lived in both the conservative and the orthodox world over your yep. life. And and yep. so, Soviet Sinai, is it, are, are there, is there sort of a left edge of the folks that they target or no? Yeah. So, Soviet Sinai has, is, is connected to a bunch of other sister sites. So, you know, within, and they all kind of come into the same pool. So let's say I'm looking for someone who identifies as modern Orthodox liberal. So I'm going to look at people who are modern Orthodox middle of the road. I'm going to look at people who identify as traditional. I'm going to look at people who identify as just Jewish. There are some people who don't like, you know, labels. So just Jewish could be anyone just Jewish could be Jewish in name and not in any kind of observance. So the categories, you know, are spiritual, not religious, culturally Jewish, reform, reconstructionist, conservative, conservadox, and then modern Orthodox liberal, modern Orthodox machmir, modern, modern yeshivish, yeshivish, Hamish, Balabatish, Hasidic, Lubavitch, <laughs> you know, like so... You have um, remix Judaism, you know, Roberta. No, Paul not yet, but I'm I'm waiting. So, and the, the truth is, they do add different categories when you know to try to broaden the reach. Now, if I'm looking for someone, you know, I I I look at all the factors that go in. You know, someone who identifies traditional. You know, there are people who identify as traditional who don't keep kosher at all, and there are people who identify as traditional who keep kosher always. And so, a lot of it's playing with labels and playing with different things to try to at least get people to connect and meet. So By the way, if there's any Nazis listening to the show, you know, the, the whole conspiracy of the Jewish cabal, you can tell it doesn't exist. We can't even get along and figure <laughs> out what categories we are. So this totally dispels the myth of the Jewish conspiracy theory. So thank you, Rachel. I appreciate that. No problem. A fringe yeah. benefit. Have you, Rachel, have you matched people that that they thought were very different and would not be a good match 
and it's worked out? Yes. I guess, you know, the biggest example that comes to mind is actually there are two. One is distance, you know, like I'd say of all the couples I have matched up, the majority have been long distance, Syracuse, Baltimore, London, Boston, California, Chicago, California, Boston, Detroit, New York. And so, you know, initially it's trying to convince people like, look, you got to at least meet them. Like, you know, distance, unless, unless someone who lives in one place says, I will never, ever move. And, you know, then it probably is not worth meeting someone else who will never, ever move. Let me guess. Those are the New Yorkers who say that. <laughs> it's a hard, to, it's hard to get people out of New York, but you know, there's this, you whole, have, you have, I have, but there's a, there's a whole concept of, you know, this like out of town mentality and so it's, it's always amusing to me when someone who's from New York, you know, puts in their profile, I'm looking for someone with an out-of-town personality, but I want to live in New York. You know, like, it's like, Meaning okay. nice. So, uh, they often do, but, but yeah. We're, but we're, you, oh, and then the other is religious, you know, compatibility is I think probably one of the bigger areas that people have to navigate. You know, like I matched up someone who, grew up from, but was not from anymore with someone who was from, and the person who wasn't from anymore, you know, it was kind of like, it was more of an apathy as opposed to a principled not being religious. So, you know, he was like, look, I'm happy to keep kosher. I just, you know, it's just wasn't, you know, and I'm, I think a lot of people are, you know, I say apathetic, but in a good way, like I'm not so committed to this that I, you know, if I met the right person, I might be willing to do that. Wow. Apathy, not antipathy. <laughs> right, right. So you've done Kiru. This is also bringing people closer to tradition. I guess that's a benefit. outreach. That's, religious outreach. So, uh, that's not the, that's outreach. not the pushing the, the main right. factor, motivation. motivation. What is your motivation, Rachel? It's just to connect people, you know, people who want to be connected. I feel like I am able to at least, you know, I've had success in connecting people to marriage. I've had a lot of success in connecting people to, you know, dates and to, you know, to meeting people that are outside their social circle. I think I've had success where I help people realize, no, you have not met every single, you know, like some people think I've dated everyone. And I, you know, I always feel like you actually haven't and give me some time. Let me help you find some people that you might not have dated. Now, again, I can't guarantee, but I can guarantee that I look religiously for people. I look actively. So my motivation is just to try to connect people. And I think where I've had, you know, probably the most success is just helping people meet other people. And I always, I mean, I always say in my spiel, like, you know, even if it doesn't end up in, you know, a marriage, when you've met someone and you see them at a federation event or at a shul kiddish or at, you know, some kind of event and you go up to them and there's, you know, they brought their roommate and you meet the, you know, like good things happen when you, you know, stir the pot and introduce new people to each other because they know, you know, you meet people, they know people and, you know, so I know that I've had, even if I don't get direct credit, I know, but by broadening people's worlds, they've met new people. And some of them have even met the people that they have gotten, you know, married to indirectly because of introductions that I've made. 
Well, speaking of credit, isn't it the case, Asher, under Jewish, I don't know if it's law as much as, you know, thinking that if you if you pair up at least two people, you've got the straight road to heaven? Yeah, I think Rachel always says three people. I think it's three. The three? Well, I think I'd say two because Jen at one point had only done two and we're trying to squeeze we'll her. her credit. We're going to Well, we're, Rachel's trying to do for our whole family. I said, look, I, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to go alone. So I need to get a. Uh, you Are you at 18 yet? Yeah, I'm very close. That'd be amazing. Close. We have to have a celebration when you're at 18. Oh, wow. wow. Do you get like a gold pen? I, I don't know. I'll let you know. <laughs> Um, but you know. at Sinai, it sounds like you know those sales conferences where you get the the gold medal. You get a trip I know. To they did. They did have this like medal system, you know. But how many matches you've made? How much? How many trainings you've gone to? They sort of left that because I think it was hard to manage. But uh, well, so I they like, have they have trainings for you. They do. I mean, over. I mean, they do regularly. But during the pandemic, I mean, I was on, on trainings once a month, either some of it's like practical, like they make additions to the site. And then some are more specific, like how to work with older singles or how to work with, sing, you know, with singles who are on the spectrum or how do you, how much do you disclose about, you know, you know, mental health issues or, you know, things like that, that, you know, are, are more relevant and more specific and helping people you know, make better matches. So Rachel, how did, oh, how did all this get started? So it all got started when we were in Chicago and Mm. in Lakeview, and there were a lot of singles in our community. And we would have a very long Shabbat table. And just by chance, well, I mean, the plan part was that Asha would sit on one end and I would sit on the other. And I don't really know what they were talking about at, at Asher's end of the table. It was like probably like I can know, I can tell you, but we can talk <laughs> about that. <laughs> so, but at my end, we're all like the singles and a lot of our regulars who, you know, each week would share their dating stories, would talk about this or that, about being single. And saw you at Sinai was newish at the time. And they said, you know, you need to get on this site. You know us best. So you know what we're looking for. And they said that, you know, you understand modern Orthodox, modern Orthodoxy. And in the beginning, it was more like the most of the matchmakers who are amazing, wonderful, dedicated people sort of got like from not from they didn't get like the (laughs) the grayish area that we dance in, you know, that you can wear pants and you can eat dairy out, and you can go to shul every week, and you can want to send your kids to day school, like all those things, like they, you know, they would be like, I don't understand, they wear pants, they can't be from, or they, you know, so like, I understood those gray areas. So, you know, the singles at my table were like, you got to get on. I was like, okay. So that was, I think, like, I think 12 years ago, 13, 14 years ago. I was going to say, definitely not when when we met you, because the internet was barely around. Exactly, no, I know. (laughs) I think we we were closer to Fiddler on the Roof than we were to Sayed Sinai. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, and, you know, then, yeah, so it's, and it's just, I've been doing that for years. Was, was, uh, um, I'm sorry, John, did you want to add? Well, I was just going to say, how many did you put together in your time at Lakeview? In Lakeview, I think... Without the internet. Without the internet. I think we figured we had like four or five who met at our table. And then like another two 
that we that we sort of facilitated. Now, you know, it's interesting. It's not part of Soyot Sign, but Rachel has made apartment shiduchim. Yes. Like matching people <laughs> up to be apartment mates. You know, she's diversifying. <laughs> You horizontally, get, horizontally and vertically integrated exactly yeah you don't get the world to come know, necessarily yeah, right. apartment match but uh, <laughs> but i want i'm intrigued to know what was covid like for dating and for matchmaking was it easier because we would do it on zoom or so we saw a bunch of like waves like in the beginning or like, I guess the middle or whatever, is that people were like, sure, I'll Zoom with anyone because I can't meet someone. I i don't care if I'm Zooming with someone who lives next door or if I'm Zooming with someone who lives across the world. And, and there were a lot of like couples that people got very, very close and connected because they spent so much time on Zoom. Right. So there was a lot of that. But and then, if you don't if you don't like them, you can always pretend like you're having computer problems. <laughs> Glitches. And then, but then what happened is when people started going out but couldn't travel, then people only wanted to meet people who lived oh, within a block that they yeah. could walk to. The, you know, it right. was very, very hard for dating when people were like in between the total lockdown when you were zooming with anyone. And also because people felt like, I don't want to put my life on hold. Like, I know I can't date right now, but let me at least meet people and see what happens. And then when people started going out, they were actually a lot more, they would only meet people, you know, within their little, you know, block. And uh, that was very, very hard. But I will say that was also very motivating for me to think about people like, eating Shabbat dinner by themselves in their apartments or, you know, so isolated. I like doubled my time on Saw You at Sinai because I was like, we got to connect people. We got to, you know, work on that. You are doing the Lord's work. Uh, I, I have to ask you this question. I want to know any horror stories. <laughs> I, I know horror stories. I think like it's more just like frustrating when you, have like two people that you think, oh my gosh, this is like so good. And then either one of two things happens. One is one of them says no. And you're like, no, you can't. Like <laughs> you guys have to meet. Or the other is like when you at when pe both people say yes, and then someone doesn't like they don't call or they are like, oh, I got busy with work. Oh, and like they sort of peter out. And uh, so it's not a horror story. It's just so frustrating, you know. And I'm frustrated. I know the singles are ghosting, right? What the kids call that ghosting? Yes, yeah. I'm sure there's all kinds of newfangled terms for yeah. those kinds of things. Do you have to nudge people along sometimes? I nudge people all the time. I feel like that is really. I'm not a matchmaker. I'm a nudge, and I'll <laughs> be like, "Oh, you have, you know, the way you saw you at Sinai works." There's just all these technical things like the match times out in a certain number of days. You are lim limited in the number of matches you can get. All technical things. So I'm always, you know, texting people like, oh, you have three profiles to review or, you know, someone said yes. So have you answered them? And then after they, let's say they both match up, you know, I'll text them. So how'd the conversation go? And if you haven't, I just want to gently nudge you to give them a call. And, you know, if, if they haven't, then to say, you know, I heard that he has reached out to you. I just want to know if you're still interested. <laughs> oh. So I spend a lot of time nudging. Oh, God, like so it's, it's just, it's painful. So it's not a 
horror story. I mean, I'm trying to think horror stories. Look, there've been some bad dates, you know, like people, I know all of the people that I am searching for. So the way it works is I'm looking for a bunch of people. So I know all the people that I am searching for. I don't know all of the people that I find, you know, on the site, the site has thousands and thousands and thousands of people. So, you know, sometimes I'll use Facebook, I'll reach out to people and I'll say, oh, I see you're mutually friends with John, you know, good guy, you know, someone you would fix up with your sister, because I feel like the chemistry part and the details, I don't really need to know. I just want to know, like, is this, you know, is there good, you know, good guy? Now that's also seen as very controversial because why am I taking the opinion of, you know, someone to, you know, like asking someone to share information, but I, I, I try to just gauge like, you know, is this some, you know, and sometimes people will say, look, great guy. He never follows through, you know, or, you know, like really so amazing, but you know, whatever. Is it always the guy? Or <laughs> I was going to say, you know, that sounded a little sexist. Sorry, I mean, I suppose, was that, did I say look, that actually? I didn't no, mean Look, to I mean, I suppose up. that, you know, part of your job was also weeding out the Unabombers. You know, it's like, I, I can't do that. It's, but, uh, uh, it's a Hulu special, yes. <laughs> well, speaking of, of TV specials, you know, I'm always upset that they've never made a Netflix special about bank regulatory lawyers, but apparently <laughs> they've made one about Jewish matchmakers that I yes. watched. Episode. Yes. Think I think she's great. Aliza Benchalem. She led during COVID. Um, she led most of the Zooms that we were on. I mean, oh, so, wow. and, and wow. she's, she's, I think she's wonderful. I think she's very wise. I think she's very smart. And I will say because of that, there has been, a, which is great for me, a huge, and because of Jewish matchmaking in general, there's been a huge influx of people onto the saw you at Sinai network of people. So, you know, like there are just more people all the time, which is great for me. It means that when I search for people, new people come up and people that weren't there before. And you were um, always saying there aren't enough guys. I, I know. <laughs> I will say it is a little disproportionate that there's so many more women. John, you know. we are the weaker species. <laughs> uh, you know. Well, we do die earlier generally, but at least, you know, this is a good way to get your message out. Now, if people want to contact you, do they do it through the website? I mean, I, I'm pretty much like, contact me however you, you know, can. You can do it through the website. You can, I'm on Facebook. They can, can email do it me. through a uh, uh, rabbi and a lawyer going to a bar website. You can do it through know, that. Uh, uh, you know, right. I'm looking for great people to connect with other great people. So, and I can, I'll, I mean, it's not a plug, but like, yeah, they, I'll answer the questions. Yes, I work with people from 20 to 70. Like I have a range of people that I work with. I work with people in Israel and England. And I was working with someone in Mexico City for a while, but uh, um, I was going to ask, well, what's the most exotic country? Or maybe that's it. <laughs> I think, well, I think Mexico City, I, I connected him with someone and they dated for a while. They broke up, but England, England, Boston, that was like a big, that was a big deal. But that makes sense. That, that was sort of like Revolutionary War, you know, there's a connection. <laughs> Tea party. Yeah. Um, but I mean, look there, I mean, I find profiles of people in Chile and Argentina, Australia, you know, people, and some people are willing, like they just say, I can travel Madrid. I actually just set up a couple who are speaking in Madrid. So that's good. That's wow. exotic. Yeah. That's out, that's out of town. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> can't walk there. <laughs> oh, Rachel, do you want, I, I have a question, like you've been doing this for 12, 13 years, at least on Sunday, you've been doing it longer. 
do you find people have changed like the younger generation, the Gen Z or uh, they've changed? I will say, I guess a few things that I've noticed recently is that whereas earlier, and I think some of our present company included, I, you know, I take political leanings much more seriously now than I mm. would have before. Right. Whereas, you know, and people are actually very explicit in their oh, profiles, yeah. like, do not match me up with someone <laughs> who voted for Trump or do not, you know, if, if someone I, you know, puts liberal anywhere, do not, you know, fix me up with them. Oh, Vaccinations wow. was a thing, like do not match me up with someone who is vaccinated, you know, or, you know, I will only date someone who is, you know, like is that like it's it's I'm, on both sides. So that wow. that factors in a lot more. I also think because there's so much social media and whatever, someone will look at a Facebook page and say, nope, you know, like they'll see one picture, one post, and they're much more, I think they're much quicker to say no than, you know, before it would be like, look, he's a nice guy or she's a nice person. Why don't you just meet? It'd be like, okay, you know, it was, and now it's like, no, they have to scrutinize every single picture, you know, oh, they wore shorts, so they're not religious or they, I saw them like hold, you know, holding a beer. Like, I don't know. So people, I think get right now with social media, you can run a dossier on somebody without the CIA. Well, so John, we are really lucky that we are married (laughs) (laughs) for many, for many, many, many reasons. (laughs) Gosh, I don't know if I, especially with this podcast, I don't know, that would really sink it. Yeah. The podcast is definitely not a way to pick up chicks. (laughs) (laughs) well this has been great rachel it's so great to reconnect with you and see Uh, you well thank you john and this has been an honor and a pleasure to be here and as tuba is uh, is ending let's hope for many more celebrations of of couples well keep up doing the lord's work and i know you got those brownie points keep increasing and someday you're going to get that prize hopefully not for many 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 years Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, that was great. Uh, I'm so happy every time I get a chance to talk to Rachel. And it's so fascinating what she's doing. Me too. (laughs) Well, you get the opportunity a little more often than I do. You know, the thing that struck me, though, with a little bit of sadness here was how people of different political persuasions just put a lockdown on anyone they think are a little bit outside of their bumpers. Yeah, it's really, you know, I haven't talked to, Rachel's mentioned that to me, but I I didn't put it in the perspective of, of a real shift in America. And I always like to feel, well, Vietnam, we were divided on Vietnam back in the 60s and 70s. And, you know, but it does seem to be, I also, I, I don't know if we've mentioned it before, but I feel like the petty little take petty things that become the biggest thing. Okay, vaccination. You know, whether you're vaccinated, I don't want to vaccinate or whatever. And I understand people think that that's like the worst thing in the world. And then they they exaggerate. They say it's like Nazi Germany that were being forced to vaccinate or or some of these other things that maybe all sides like build into such divisive mountains that really shouldn't be. And I don't I remember know when, when they made a big deal when Obama wore a tan suit. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that, you know, you have to wonder if the 24-7 news cycle yeah. just feeds into that. They need something to talk about. And if 
if the last generation had heard the kinds of petty little things that we're talking about on the news or or in dinner conversations that have nothing to do with the bigger issues that are going to make or break this world that if some you know those aliens that we keep hearing about that might be visiting us there may be a reason they want to, they don't want to show themselves if they knew how ridiculous and petty we could be sometimes yeah and i think that you know goes back to tuba of you know this this that was a time where we really have to try to bridge those those barriers and it's not not to not be passionate about what you believe but not have it blind you to the humanity of the the person next to you or the person that you might fall in love with and we can have good political debates i think i've mentioned this to you i i gave a summer sermon that touched upon these issues that we can have good debates on whether the tax rate should be 35% or 39% you know let's get a bunch of economists in a room and help us figure that out or what to do about climate change you know let, let's have a good discussion with some scientists to actually figure out whether we turn on or off certain kinds of our you know economy to to help you know avoid some of the heat wave situations and the rising seawater or do we just live with it and that's the better economic approach you know i mean i think there's good discussions to have around those big issues how do we defend ourselves against enemies foreign and domestic but it just seems like the the pettiness cycle has gotten worse yeah. Yeah. And I do want to say that Michigan, we've had some lovely weather here. And uh, speaking of, you know, going swimming in Lake Michigan, it's nice and cool. It's not like in Florida where it's 98 degrees. So and we have lots of fresh water here. So in uh, 20 or 30 years, you know, come to Michigan, pure Michigan. Well, I've got a hat that says something like that. And in the back, it says no sharks. (laughs) Right, right. Maybe some lamprey, but no sharks. Well, John, maybe on that note, it's great. Either the the East Coast or the West Coast of Lake Michigan, those of you who live far afield, will welcome you with open arms. And maybe, Asher, you and I can restart that Glassman's Resort. You could be the scholar in residence. (laughs) I I can't really cook well, but, you know, maybe I can help be the maitre d'. And we'd have a lot of fun. That'd be great. That sounds like like a lot. I bet there's a market there. That's our retirement plan. <laughs> Excellent. Well, John, this has been a really made Tubishvat very meaningful. And, you know, sorry, did I say Tubishvat? Tubaav. Um, Tubishvat, we discussed later at the birthday of trees. But I, in some ways, Tubaav, this holiday of love and maybe appreciation for everything that's out there, really will carry us. Uh, all the way to the high holidays, which are only in about a month and a half. So uh, quite. And, and I, I will say that, you know, I also read that there is actually that connection between Tuba Av and Yom Kippur, that on, on both days, the, the women did go out there in their white dresses to accomplish the same thing. So at least we have that connection going. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Well, well, it's a little scary getting so close to the days of all, but we do have a little bit more summer left and we do have a little bit more more fun time before we have to get to those very serious and, and powerful holidays. All right, so I'm going to do some more sailing between now and then. Let's have more fun and then we'll get serious. Excellent, great. Okay, well, look, good to be with you and we'll we'll check in again next week. Always a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Rabbi and a Lawyer Walk Into a Bar. 
If you like what you heard, please subscribe to get our next episode delivered right to you. If you really like us, please consider leaving a review and sharing this with a friend. That would really help our efforts. And finally, to contact us and for more show-related information, please visit our website, rabbilawyerbar.com. Special thanks to our production team, David Stone for the introduction music, Andrew Bauman for the artwork, and I'm Nicholas Tantillo. This podcast is co-produced with Front and Social Studios in Chicago. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. Copyrighted material, all rights reserved.